1: It's time to start the podcast. It's time to hit the mics. It's time to start the podcast with Moon P. Jug and Hobbs. Episode 39 of Moon P. Jug and Hobbs. How about this show?
0: Feels so much longer than 39 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: We were trying to think about how much money has been spent on this thing because, you know, we have no advertisers. We've made not a nickel on this thing. Uh, You know, the microphones were expensive. Uh, I had to buy an extra laptop. Then I had to upgrade my internet because we didn't have enough bandwidth. And, you know, it was just a cornucopia of purchases. I am currently selling two gently used sure microphones. (laughs) If you are wanting to start your own podcast, I've got some killer mics that are for sale. They was only used like, how long do we use those, Hobbs? Oh, God. One week. I
0: think three. I think, no. we we had him for a couple, two, three. And then I talked you into getting a Yeti and then you got the headset because that was easier because the Yeti, you can't you have to kind of talk over the top of the mic. You can't have it too far away. Otherwise, we couldn't hear his lovely
1: voice. Uh, So anyway, uh, that's the way I want to start the podcast is I'm selling stuff.
0: Yeah, great. <laughs> it's a Facebook marketplace here.
1: This is interesting content for those listeners. Uh, and by the way, thanks for listening to this. Uh, and you could like it. You can share it. You can subscribe. Can they subscribe yet? No, we don't do it on YouTube yet.
0: Yes, they can, because what they can do is they can subscribe to the Tom Bernard podcast network, right? Right. At least for the moment, we are. We'll see. We'll see after this episode.
1: I've been trying to get a hold of Tom to get him on the podcast. He won't answer me. He won't call me. This is the way it's been for a year and a half, two years. It's love, love, love. And then all of a sudden he ghosts me. Yeah. And now I wonder, he had COVID and I think that might've changed him. He's also lost a hundred pounds. Did you know that?
0: I he know was, that he's been talking about his weight loss a lot on the morning show. I still tune in, even though I don't really commute anymore. Cause I virtual,
1: uh, by the way, uh, P jug, my wife ha- has been on the podcast since day one. She's been here for all 39 episodes, except the last few. She's kind of been taking some time off once in a while just because she didn't want to do it. And now she's out of gas. Go ahead, PJUG, say that you don't want to be on the podcast anymore.
0: I like the last three weeks that we had vacation time. That was nice.
1: (laughs) So in other words, you like it better when you're off than when you're on.
0: (laughs) I have a theory behind this, and that's probably because it's the one hour a week she does not have to hear your stories. She yeah. can just walk into the other room, you know, doesn't have to have the headphones on. She's like, do, 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 do. I'm going to clean. Touché, Tiffany. Tishay.
1: What I'm thinking is, you know, we have an email address. If you would like to send us an audition of your voice and your presentation, like an audition tape, send that to moon P Hobbs at gmail.com moon P Jug, Hobbs. M-O-O-N-P-J-U-G-G-H-O-B-B-S at gmail.com. We might replace her if she, uh, at least temporarily, we got to have another voice. And then uh, I was talking to Hobbs. She's like, I don't even want to be Hobbs. I'm here to market (laughs) myself as a comedian. And my name is Tiffany. Tiffany Norton. So she wants to be. So now we got one cast member who's quitting. We got the other one who's completely changing her name we're going to have to rename the whole podcast and just start completely over. And I can't think of another person that I'd rather start that with than Gary Matthews. What I have in my office, uh, I used to have one of these at the radio station too. It's a ginormous wheel. And on the wheel, I write down people uh, that I would want to have on the podcast. If I give it a spin right now, let's just see what lands on. Okay. I can't believe you sold the prize wheel. Oh my, look at that. It lands on Gary Matthews. Gary oh, Matthews, whoa. everybody. <laughs> that was fortuitous, that uh, that wheel spin. Now, Gary and I have a relationship, but we've never met until today, until now. That's
2: right. I got to know you when you were on the airwaves in Denver, Colorado in the late 1980s. KRXY108. And that's how I got to listen to you. you were one of my favorite disc jockeys, as a matter of fact, back then.
1: You know that station was just huge. If you could have seen the behind-the-scenes stuff that went on there, I got to introduce Elton John at a concert, uh, and it was a brand new stadium, and it was like eighteen thousand people. Wow! And because of our radio station affiliation and marketing of the of the venue and selling concert tickets for him and giving him away and all that, uh, I got the chance to go backstage and then introduce. Uh, you know, that Elton would be on stage soon. And so I'm really drunk and uh, (laughs) I'm backstage and Elton comes walking out and I looked at him and I just said, yo, Elton, it's Moon. And he looked at me and he looked kind of puzzled and he walked up to me and he shook my hand, gave me a hug and he's like, God, it's been forever. I haven't seen you. And he was trying to come up with who I was but we'd never met. We talked for like five minutes. And then finally he's like, you know, I got to stop you. Uh, where did we meet? I said, we've never met. Right? <laughs> Here comes the security guys off. I go. Uh, so my announcing that night was then ended. There was some backstage laminates that I had went backstage. And when I got to Elton uh, to meet him, he said, Haven't we met somewhere before? And he smiled. Where were you listening from in Colorado?
2: Pretty much close to Denver. It was closer to Lakewood.
1: We had a guy uh, that demanded we play a song by the Smiths. Basically, a movie was made out of this where a stalker went down to the radio station with a gun. And demanded, uh, you know, that we play a Smith's record for 24 hours or whatever.
0: God, that was a crazy movie. Yeah, they made it in the 80s. I saw it a long time ago before I started working with you. And then I'm like, ah, now that makes sense. Okay, all right. We had a
1: lake behind the radio station. I used to have keggers while I was on the air. (laughs) 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 Right? You found an old tape from, what was it, 87?
2: I think it was 87, yes. I've found quite a few of them. And one of them, I think you were filling in on the morning show for Dave Otto. And the one I taped was your was your last morning before Dave came back. It was really bad. The weather was really bad. And it was over Christmas and flights were canceled. And it was crazy.
1: You actually, you know, uh, got into radio. Tell us about where you started, because I know where you are now. And then we'll talk about that.
2: So I got started. I went to college in Spearfish, South Dakota. There's a nice little university there, and it's called Black Hill State University. And the reason I went there is because they had one of the best radio programs in the five-state region here. So I went there and did four years of radio, dabbled in TV just a little bit, didn't really catch on with the TV fame. I felt, you know what? I've got a face made for radio anyway. <laughs> so I went to radio and uh, i've been in it ever since and got my start in a big flamethrower here in western south dakota it's called ksqi and uh, at the time it was the number one aor format rock station in the market so i got my start there did a little bit there and then finally ended up where i'm at now and we've changed hands several times but we're locally owned now the The production director that originally hired me here at KBHB back in 1995 is now the station owner. So we're locally owned. That's a really good thing. We've grown. We've purchased five additional radio stations in Rapid City, South Dakota, which is the second biggest market in South Dakota behind Sioux Falls. And uh, with six radio stations in the group now, I'm the second in charge at KBHB. I'm the program, News, Sports, just about everything. But that's the way it goes in small market radio. One person kind of holds many hats. So,
0: I'd love to go there someday. I've never been. There. Oh, to Sturgis? No, but I heard it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. the, the, the area oh, yeah. is gorgeous. The the rally is cool. It's just like. Yes. Yeah. I
2: yeah. would love the whole thing.
1: And see, for me, I owned a motorcycle and I could have gone. Uh, but the thing about it is it's just so many people. You know, I would always see online you know, how many stabbings this year at Sturgis? How many people were poisoned? You know, and you're sitting there and you watch these numbers, and then they're like, COVID's here. Sturgis is going to be a super spreader. And people are like, no, it isn't. And then come to find out, like a quarter of a million people got infected <laughs> or whatever. And then as I look at KVHB, where you are now's website, I see so many things in your small market station that I lived with in my first job at KSID in Sydney, Nebraska. We did a thing called swap shop. I don't know if you guys do that, but basically people can advertise. I've got a 1998 Lexus for sale for a hundred bucks. And then people would call in and they'd buy it. And that was one of the biggest things we had.
0: That was like the first bit you did on this podcast today. You're trying to get rid of those mics
1: absolutely
0: (laughs) we should do that with the podcast have people (laughs) write in we'll we'll shout out what what items you have for sale yes swap shop i like that
1: i had a friend who was just he was a good guy but he had no boundaries he would wait for Swap Shop to come on wait, the air. Wait, you're saying
0: there's a person who doesn't have boundaries? Hold on. Hold on. This is a man who told us about how he had his co-worker worker helping him with his leg wound. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. you know. Anyway, yes, yes. Your friend who lacks boundaries. Please go on. Yes.
1: He would wait for Swap Shop to come on the air, and then uh, I'd say, good morning, Swap Shop. And he'd say, big lair. <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: This guy, what was he selling? Nothing, just
1: no, he just wanted to cuss on the air because he knew he didn't have a delay.
0: Oh my god, oh you didn't have a delay? No. Whoops.
1: Nobody knew about delay. Everybody
0: everybody tunes in for swap shop just to hear someone tell you to f- Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why they don't do the bit anymore. It just doesn't catch the ratings anymore. Oh, That's yeah. funny.
1: I'll tell you one of the things I did in small market radio that I just so loved. My mom had a birthday and I cut her a commercial that was like a tribute to my mom. And I went in and I bought almost every commercial for her entire birthday. Mm. So like every four minutes you'd hear this commercial. I want to tell you about my mom, Janice Thompson. Uh Right. And then I went on to pay tribute to my mom. But I mean, this thing aired. Like a hundred and some times that one day. It only cost me like four hundred bucks, <laughs> right? Because spots were cheap. Yeah. And and so everybody in town heard this commercial over and over and over again. Well, they talked to her about that for years later. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a big deal. I took over KSID just by buying all the ad time.
0: Gary, if I want to do that on your station, what's the, do you, do you also do sales? It sounds like you wear a lot of hats, so.
2: I don't do sales. That's one thing I do not really want to dabble in. So Okay.
0: Well, get, get back to me. Give me a quote. Cause that's, yes. that's pretty, that's pretty, that's a pretty dope idea to yeah. do.
2: 400 is not going to get you very much nowadays. So just keep mm-hmm. that in mind. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: You, know. <laughs> yeah you just, just got to have mom buy. You got to, now you got to buy mom overnights. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. Get the, get the yes. good deal.
1: I remember, you know, because a lot of people don't understand how expensive radio advertising can be, right? Because it can really build up in a quick hurry. But the reason that people advertise is because it works. Yep, it does. You know, there are uh, people uh, that have businesses that kind of roll the dice on a last bit of little marketing before they go under. And the next thing you know, people are talking about them. It depends what their ad campaigns are and if they're catchy and You know same thing with digital stuff now too but uh i mean they used to call it dollar a holler right and you could you could pretty much buy a a commercial for cheap Mm -hmm. Uh, i know when i was on the air with stacy here i think our advertising was about between 600 and 800 bucks a minute Uh, there might have been times where it was even higher and there were times when it was lower because it kind of varies from time to time. And then I remember on that huge station I was at in Houston, our commercials there were like, I don't know, 12, 1500 bucks for a minute.
0: You're talking about the drive time.
1: Yeah, morning drive.
0: Morning drive yeah. or afternoon drive. Yeah, which are going to be your most expensive ones. We don't want to just, we don't want to discourage people from advertising on radio and have them think that that's the only prices that are available. I'm just saying.
1: Well, and think about, Uh you know, the reason I want to get a
0: job back in radio at some point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's really cheap. We can do
0: something for you. We'll work with any budget. Yes. Go. Sorry.
1: (laughs) The reason that people advertise, even at that kind of money, is because if you spend 600 and make 14,000. Yeah. uh, I remember Tom Shane. Everybody used to hate Tom Shane's Mm -hmm. Shane Company commercials. They're still on the air i actually made him mad when i was on the air in denver and he canceled a hundred and fifty thousand dollar account and i got fired Ooh, uh, what yep. did you say to tom shane you yeah there was a bunch of people going to high-end malls and doing smashing dashes at jewelry stores oh so you know they'd have you know um, face masks on they'd come in they'd throw their coats over the cameras and then they'd smash the display cases, take all the high-end jewelry, obviously very planned, then they'd run out. Right. And when we were doing that story on our show, I said, you know, the cameras were covered, so there was no video, but I've got the audio. And I used Tom Shane's voice from his own commercials to make it appear that he was the one that was doing the smash and dash.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <And> well. So... <laughs>
1: So anyway, the program director at that time calls me in no. and she says, guess what? She goes, that was the funniest bit I have ever heard on any radio station <laughs> and you're fired.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you won the battle and you lost the war. You know, yeah. you, you won that morning. You won that day.
1: How many hours does a program director at a small station have to work? Are you Monday through You're 24 hours? Cause you're the boss.
2: Well, correct. We're, we're 24 hours a.m. and on the, we have an FM FM translator, of course. Thank goodness for that new technology and the FCC is letting you do that. But, you know, I'm usually in six o'clock in the morning, done about three thirty in the afternoon. So it's, you know, it's, it's about an eight hour day nowadays. But, you know, give or take any extra remotes that you may have or special events or news functions that you have to cover. Things like that. So,
1: you know, I did market reports. I see on your website, you guys do market reports.
2: Tons and, of markets report.
1: Yep. Yep. And see, I used to work at an ag station, KMMJ in Grand Island, Nebraska. Yep. Which is uh, 10,000 watts at 750 on the dial, which your voice could be heard for hundreds of miles. We would do, uh, you know, movie ticket giveaways and have people from like Canada call. Right? <laughs> there's Very nothing long.
0: hitting it. There's nobody.
1: <laughs> there's nobody. And then I remember uh, I actually got on XM um, satellite for yep. three years.
2: You know, you talked about getting fired. We've had a, a certain gentleman who's been fired three times and hired back all three times. <laughs> and this, this was back in the day when we still used landlines. It was April Fool's Day. And his April Fool's joke was get on the air, and he told everybody to take their phone off the hook, put it in the trash can because they're blowing the dust out of the lines. Well, of course, once everybody believed him and did that, it short-circuited the phone system in town, and he got fired. And then only yeah. to get retired the very next
0: day. I, You know, I've only really, my radio, whenever I've gotten fired or let go or anything, it's always been like, eh, we don't have the money and we like you. And da-da-da. I've always wanted to do it over a bit. Like I've always wanted to at least once get fired over a bit.
1: Yeah.
0: There's some kind mm-hmm. of smug satisfaction. I'm sure it wears off like when, the, uh-huh. you know, you realize how little unemployment actually pays. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, like, part of me wants that for myself. <laughs> To just take that risk and be like, you know what? I might cause a small incident where a small town mayor or someone or a civil official has to get involved. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I was fired almost every time for a bit. Yeah. Every single See, time. And I that's remember. why I
2: respect you. I do. You had a lot of bits that were just incredible <laughs> on why I went away back in the day, Moon. I'll back tell you the where. Day. where did you guys come up with the word of the day? That was always one of my favorites. That- <laughs>
1: It was me and Dom Testa, who's still on the air in Denver. We've actually had him on this podcast. We came up with the word of the day where um, we would pick a word, and then uh, Dom would read it, and then we would give the uh, definition of the word. That's one of the bits that we did that almost got me fired because (laughs) the word of the day was continental divide. You know, the continental divide runs through the Colorado Rockies. Everybody knows it a continental airlines plane crashed at Denver international and a lot of people were hurt and killed. And I did the word of the night continental divide, right? Yep. Ooh, it was bad.
0: Now. Okay. Did you, did you do it because there was a crash or did you have this word planned? Come on.
1: No, it was totally, totally because of the crash. Okay. Right.
0: So it wasn't, yeah. So you couldn't even in good conscience go, Dude, it was an accident.
1: There were so many Oh, wait, it I'd was an it accident. Worse.
0: Oh, it made it worse.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry.
1: There were so many things I did there that could have got me in trouble. I mean, like now, I used to do a bit called Sparky the Neutered Chipmunk. Yep. Right? Yep. And Sparky was basically um, a direct ripoff of Mr. Bill from Saturday Night Live, where they would do horrible things to Mr. Bill and hurt him. Only I did it to Sparky the neuter chipmunk so you could hear it. So I would say, oh, look here. It's Sparky the neuter chipmunk. Back with us on Y108. And then you could hear the sound effects of like a chipmunk. So what we're going to do with Sparky tonight is I'm going to see if he could withstand being hit with a 15-pound hammer. Let's go. And then you'd hear this. And then then I beat and torture this animal on the air. You think I could do that now?
0: No. No. I'm not sure you were supposed to do it then, but no, definitely not now. For sure, not now.
1: (laughs) That was one of the things that I really I felt appreciated when I had listeners call or write and saying, Hey, I love that when you did that bit, or God, that was really funny, or you're such an ass. I knew that if people felt something by what I did on the air, that I was going to be remembered and more than likely they were going to tune in again to see what I was going to try next. And I know there was
2: a reason you guys kicked KS 104's ass all year after year after year, because you were there moon and you were one of the best on the air, if not the best at the time.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I even had a guy steal my name. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I didn't know that. And I met the guy, this is completely odd. There was a guy that listened to me and there were different forms of moon in Denver. I yep. came to, to Denver as moon doggy. And then I had a, a guy uh, become my program director say, you got to get rid of the doggy thing. It's not adult enough. We're trying to appeal to 25, 54 adults. I want you to be Michael moon. And I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to be Michael moon. And then I ended up across town at KS one Oh four. And, uh, I did mornings over there, and that was just Moon with Moon and Dean. There were so many people that still contact me that used to listen in Denver. Yep. And, you know, that's pretty amazing when people can remember what you've done that many years ago. Indeed. And we had so much fun doing it. Well, I know that we have another guest that's waiting in the wings, as they say. Would you do this again with us, Gary? It was a lot of fun.
2: I would love to. I got a ton more stories I can share with you on another podcast. We would love that.
1: Uh, And if you want to stream, Gary, uh, all you have to do is look him up on the Big 81 KBHB, and you can click on uh, basically listen live or whatever, and and you can hear him. There you go. Thanks, Gary. All right. Now let's go to part two of Moon, P. Jug, and Hobbs, and we're understanding the name of the podcast may change because my wife, P. Jug, is considering quitting the podcast. Are you, uh, or have you thought about it more during our last guest, B Jug?
2: Oh, it's going good today.
3: <laughs>
2: you're, you're being nice to me.
3: I hope she doesn't change her mind after I talk today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then we got Hobbs who doesn't want to
1: be Hobbs. She wants to be Tiffany because she's a stand up. Let's comic. call you
0: Tiffany. I like that better. Should
1: we Thank call you, you Tiffany Norton or just Tiffany?
0: Just Tiffany is fine. You know, okay. until the jewelry store people get mad, but I'll you know <laughs> maybe they'll pay me off in in uh, gems.
1: And then we also want to introduce you to guest number two. Usually we don't even have two guests in a podcast. Today we're going way out there because this guy has got a story to tell. His name is John Noltener. He's from Bloomington, Minnesota. Welcome, John.
3: Hey, it's good to be with you. Thanks. For Thank you. For applause. Coming. Applause. That's awesome. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, here's what John did, which I thought was a little nuts when I first started doing my research. First of all, he's a photographer, award-winning photographer. And, uh, you know, when you are going to be a photographer, you can't just take pictures of the same area of the country. It's nice to move around a little bit. And John decided, I've got a way to do that. So he sold his house and decided to buy a motor home. Is that the scoop?
3: Well, it was a travel trailer, but yeah, that's the scoop. We sold our house um, a year and a half ago.
1: And then you went on like a 40,000 mile road trip. And eventually with all those experiences and ones, you know, previous, even to that uh, you, you put together a book called portraits of peace, searching for hope in a divided America. And you got to tell us about this because when you traveled around the country, you met all kinds of people, with all kinds of religious beliefs, all kinds of, you know, regionalisms, uh, you name it, and you ask them all a simple question, what does peace mean to you? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that.
3: This project, it's called A Peace of My Mind, and I've been, it's P-E-A-C-E, that sort of peace of my mind, and um, we've been working on it for a dozen years, and... um the 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 premise was that I was frustrated with the quality of our national dialogue. You know, I was worried about all the things that ask us to look at what can separate us. And that, I mean, that was a dozen years ago. I, I wondered if there was something I could do with my photography and storytelling uh, instead to remember what connects us. And so it started out right here in Minnesota. Uh, and I started by interviewing people right in our backyard Uh, asking them, what does peace mean to you? How do you work towards it in your life? What are some of the obstacles you encounter along the way? And tried to interview people from a broad range of backgrounds. So people who marched with Dr. King, people who are Holocaust survivors, homeless individuals, um, really to try to get a broad cross-section of who we are uh, as human beings. And so you know, at this point, we've got three books and I've got four traveling exhibits, but it, it, the project has continued to grow. The first book was all stories from Minnesota. The second book was this 40,000 mile road trip across the country. And now um, and, and so the order of it, the chronology of it, we published this third book and then we hit the road. We sold our house and we hit the road for, you know, in the last 12 months, we've driven another 50,000 miles meeting people so so this road trip that we're on now i imagine someday is going to be the fourth book
1: that's crazy because i'm looking at the prices on amazon of your digital list price was 25.99 and then a print list price 27.99 kindle price 18 bucks and so i'm thinking you know i've been encouraged to write a book for years, I got all kinds of stories to tell, and now when I'm seeing dollar amounts next to that, <laughs> oh my I go, "My God, I need, to, John, I need to get off my ass."
0: John, <laughs> I'm warning you right now. Before you say before you say your next thought, just block his email right now. He's just <laughs> going to have you. He's going to have you write the book for him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
3: nobody wants for that to happen. um I tell you what. um people don't get rich writing books like this moon i don't want to i don't want to pop your bubble here but um when i think about the number of hours i spent writing and now the number of hours i spend uh promoting it pretty sure we could have made more money making minimum wage at any sort of shop around town sure we do writing a book like this but you know that's not the end goal The end goal is not to get rich. The end goal is to uh, share some thoughts and hopefully shift some attitudes in the process.
1: Give us a couple of those road stories. You know, you're out there in the middle of nowhere and you run across somebody and you kind of explain what you're trying to get accomplished. Yeah. and, And tell us about some of those.
3: I'll give you a couple of stories from this current trip that we're on, because especially you know, I, I I've been living in Minneapolis. We were here in 2020 when when George Floyd was killed, uh, and we we were living just 11 miles south of that. And so, went up to that intersection, 38th and Chicago, for uh, the first week, uh, every day after that happened, uh, to talk to people, to interview people, to try to to try to do what we always do with this project, which is to listen you know, to what's on people's minds and try to hear and understand what's going on in the world. So as we set off on this current road trip, we've been really intentional about wading into some of the some of the thorniest issues that we're dealing with as a country. So we went down along the border to talk about immigration. We went down into Mississippi to talk about Confederate monuments. We went out to um you know, Los Angeles to talk about uh, housing security and homelessness. When we're down along the border, for instance, we're interested in talking to asylum seekers and activists, but also interested in talking with border patrol agents and, and local ranchers so that, again, we can hear all these different perspectives on the issues. So one of the, one of the guys that I really enjoyed meeting, his name is Alvaro Enciso, and he's uh, a Colombian immigrant himself. He's a um, he's an artist. He had this map of sites where migrants had died in the Sonoran Desert. Um, you know, there were over four thousand dots on this map that marked where human remains were found as people were were on their journey to America. And Alvaro just decided that he wanted to acknowledge that human loss. You know, he's not particularly political. He's not particularly faith-based or or religious, but he decided to build these beautiful, colorful crosses, take them out into the Sonoran Desert and place them at those sites, uh, in his words, to try to make the invisible visible. Mm. You know, so to be able to go out into the desert with him Um, on a couple of different occasions and help him carry some of those crosses out there and mark those sites. And it just puts a different perspective and a different human experience around this, this loud rhetoric that we hear every day on the news.
0: Everybody's so tribal right now. I mean, I don't care. It's football season and political and all that, you know, I mean, everybody's so that, but it it, it breaks down when you're standing next to somebody else and you're like literally alone in a desert with someone else, you're going to, you're going to imagine yourself in that person's, uh, for, or imagine that person's perspective and how you fit in it. And I, I really respect your work. That's cool.
3: You know, in that same time frame, we were down there. It was January last year, and so, um, you know, our presidential administration changed. We happened to be right along the border when uh, Biden came in and he ordered the the halt of the construction of the wall. So we were able to find the spot. Uh, to the east of Nogales, Arizona, um, the very spot where the wall construction stopped. And we were able to go there the day after construction stopped. There was nobody else there. You know, there Mm -hmm. were a couple of guys watching equipment, but otherwise we were standing right next to where it went from a 30-foot steel plate to four strands of barbed wire. There was just something really historic and surreal about being at that place at that moment.
0: It seems so long ago, I think even people forgot about the wall. I remember when I was working at the the station uh, Moon and I met at, I mean, it was really, I mean, everybody was so obsessed with that thought. And then as soon as that stopped construction, you know, I mean, however you felt about it, it was, it's, it's weird. Guess they built a whole portion of it. That's a real mm-hmm. thing. I, I don't think people realize that. You know what I mean? Like there was yeah. so much like, oh, they're not going to build the wall. They're going to build the wall.
3: Well, it was all people could talk about for a little while. Well,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. How long is the finished part of the wall?
3: My sense when I was down there was that in these last few days of the Trump administration that there was this this big fervent push to, okay. to try to add miles to it. But I don't I don't know the stats.
0: Right. And it was a wall that already existed, but they were like basically making it bigger. Cause like you said, it was barbed wire, right? Or something. Anyway. Yeah. Not yeah. that we
3: there talk was- not that we talk a lot about politics, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you get to see all the kids that were separated from their families and stuff?
3: No, we didn't see that. But I did go across the border into Nogales, Sonora, Mexico, and got to interview a guy named, uh, named Pancho, and he, he's a street nurse. There were a lot of people stalled out just south of the border waiting for an asylum hearing. Uh, when we were there, we got to meet uh, people who were waiting for their asylum hearings for 300, 500, 700 days. Uh, and just sort of stalled out there across the border. Pancho is this street nurse and what he does, he has this um, used ambulance and he'll circulate amongst the asylum seekers looking for people who are in medical crisis so that he can address it. You know, whether it's a diabetic, uh, you know, crisis or whether it's a respiratory or a cardio issue, he has the resources to be able to help these people who otherwise have have no opportunity to get medical care and when i was talking to uh pancho he said that he recognized uh that he wasn't going to be able to change their lives he wasn't going to be able to change their situation but what he hoped for was the opportunity to change their moment mm. you know and i think for me as a human yeah. being Whatever these huge issues are, these geopolitical issues that we get so riled up about, I don't know that I'm going to be able to change policy. I don't know that I'm going to be able to change exactly what happens. But in my day-to-day encounters with other human beings, I absolutely have the opportunity to change their moment in the way that we relate to one another. And that's really at the core and the foundation of what this project hopes to encourage.
1: You know what I want to do? I want to hire Poncho.
3: I need a street nurse. Right, (laughs) Poncho's going to have an immigration issue with getting into the United States. Moon
0: moon knows people. Moon has connections in Nebraska. They just go down there with one of them uh, trailers.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, I tell you what, if you were looking for care, I don't think you would find better care than what Poncho could give you.
1: Isn't that amazing? I want to meet Poncho.
3: Where's
0: Poncho's movie? There needs to be a movie about street nurses. This is a concept I've never heard. I have a ton of friends that are nurses. You know nurses. And and uh, wow.
3: Well, if we have a uh, if we have a filmmaker who's listening tonight, maybe uh, we can connect with him and we'll make a film about Poncho.
1: When I looked at the question, what does peace mean to you? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that for a second. What peace means to me is when humans... Can coexist without fights or arguments or confrontation, and they just coexist in a peaceful way. People can't do that anymore. I mean, look they at they never the... did,
0: though, but there was never a point where everybody got a long moon. No, that's no. That's, that's that's something you got to get right. And we haven't you all were... gotten along, you... maybe, maybe like a long time, like Jurassic Park.
1: I bet you even Adam and Eve had marital difficulties. Please, of course.
0: Well, you ate the apple. You started all this.
1: Yeah. Now, were they married or did they just give me my rib
0: back? You know? Just you know, you're normal, you're normal couple give, arguments.
1: Give me back my but, no, but what
0: does peace mean to you? Like personally, like I mean, I yes, world peace, yes, but like what does peace mean to you? What makes you peaceful?
3: Are you asking Moon or are you asking me? I'm
0: asking me. And I'm, I'm well now I guess I'm asking the panel. Actually, I was yeah. asking Moon, but I was sorry, uh, I was, uh, sorry, I was sorry, I was uh producing there for a minute. I'm like, we're okay. <laughs> clarifying okay. the question. No, oh, no, go
3: ahead. Let's hear from Moon. What is okay. uh, what does that look like?
0: Yeah, what does that look like for you?
1: a place where I feel loved Mm -hmm. and admired and all positive thoughts with no negativity, people that don't look at my shortcomings, but highlight my other parts of me that are okay. One of the things in 2022 that I said to PJUG, I'm like, Hey, look this year, happy, 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 right? Don't sweat the small stuff. If we look at things in life, You can let anything bother you. You can turn on a newscast and go crazy. You can listen to your neighbors bitching about politics or the price of natural gas to heat their homes. I mean, it could be anything. But wouldn't it be nice to go through a whole day and not hear anything awful or icky, (laughs) right? Can we just have one, right? Because you can't turn on the news. And another thing that does not make me feel at peace that I want to bitch about a little bit is this. Okay, I know we have to cover in the news the pandemic, but do we have to show that many injections? Okay, right? we have been watching. I'm with you.
0: Quit st- again. Been- yeah. why do I always have to have the stock footage of the person getting shot in the arm? That's not pleasant.
1: And it's hundreds of times on every network, right? We get it. People are having to get shots.
0: Okay, so so your peaceful place would be no one's getting shots. <laughs> Everybody's getting along.
1: No, Who told me
0: years ago, John, that his uh and and and, and P he was like, he was like, what do you want? Because I I think it was the the subject was Father's Day. He's like, I ask for the same thing every year on Father's Day.
3: No bitching. How often did you receive that gift of no bitching?
1: <laughs> it still hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> don't give up. Don't give up.
0: Yeah, don't surrender.
1: P Jug, you're in charge of that. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. You wow. you okay. You bitch. Now, John, you're married, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. Here's the interesting thing. Karen, uh, we've been married for... Oh, I better get this right now. Uh, Yep. Well, coming up on 31 years. It was Karen's idea to sell the house, and we'd live in a trailer. It was a 34-foot trailer that we were towing around. Now... We're in the process of retooling and uh, uh, getting rid of the trailer and the truck and moving into a van, just a camper van. So we survived 34, you know, 280 square feet. We're going to see if we can make it in. I don't know what a van is, probably 100 (laughs) square feet or something.
0: This reminds me of the scene in Star Wars uh, where like they're all in the water and the garbage thing and the walls are just coming in.
3: Oh, yeah. Right. That's what you're I mean, kind of
0: doing with your relationship. Like, like, really, let's just see.
3: Let's see how small we can survive. Hopefully that big, like slimy serpent thing won't grab us. Yeah. And us under. <laughs> I think that's what happened in Star Wars. But yeah. no, it's, uh, you know, we're downsizing. We're shedding stuff. When you're in national parks and national forests, when you're camping, uh, the most gorgeous campsites in the middle of these old growth forests and whatever, don't fit a 34 foot trailer. So you'll see these little guys who are in these beautiful campsites and we wind up in the gravel pad over there on the side. And so we, we want to be a little more nimble. We want to be able to pull into those gorgeous spots and call that home for a while.
1: So have you been to Grand Tetons?
3: Yeah. A couple of times it's gorgeous.
1: Yeah. I, I remember when we took our motorcycles through Glacier National Park. And I thought that probably was the most beautiful place that I've seen in the U.S. And I've been to Alaska. I mean, Alaska was breathtaking. Yeah, that was very, very beautiful. Colorado is probably one of my favorite favorite places. As you traveled across the country, you know, you probably got to see things that you had no idea that looked live like you had, you know, pictured them in your mind. You know have you been to the Smoky Mountains?
3: Oh yeah. So so at this point, I've been. Yeah, I used to make my living as a travel photographer. Um, I've been to 48 of our states and 38 different countries. I have always sort of recharged. uh, Tiffany, when you talk about uh, where do you find your peace, sort of the place I can center myself is outdoors in the wilderness. As we travel around and we're having some of these really hard conversations and and personally and sort of emotionally, that can be draining after a while. Oh, God, Um, yeah. I'm kind of an introvert. And so being out and being on like that all the time carries a little bit of weight, especially with some of these subjects. So we balance our time and we always find our our recovery and our recuperation in nature. I love the desert Southwest. I love the Pacific Northwest with the mountains and the ocean, the Gulf Coast. I also love, I'll be kind. I also love it, but I'm really drawn to the, those Western landscapes.
0: Oh, I just have a question for you about um, your travels. Did you encounter any bad weather or dangerous situations?
3: We hit some horrible weather. We were trying to go across Texas when they had that huge snow and ice storm last winter. Mm -hmm. We got stalled out in El Paso waiting for that storm to clear. Uh, We happened to be going up through uh, the California and Oregon coast when there were all the wildfires this summer. We were just working a conference uh, around storytelling in Kentucky, and we flew back to Minnesota just uh, the day before those tornadoes just went through um, a month ago. And so we have been safe, uh, but we have we have dodged some pretty precarious uh, weather along the way. Everywhere we've gone, we've met good people. You know, yep. even with all of the tension and stuff that's in the country, mm-hmm. uh, being along the border, being at 38th in Chicago after George Floyd was killed, mm-hmm. uh, being, you know, sitting on a courthouse steps in Mississippi, gathering stories around Confederate monuments, we never felt unwelcome. We never felt unsafe. People have been good to us everywhere we've gone.
0: That's awesome. Well, we do get along yeah. you know what i mean you don't
3: you know we we have our differences but what yeah. what i love doing and and this is across political difference it's across faith it's across uh class and all these different things is everywhere we go we find good people who yep. are trying to work for creative solutions who are looking for ways to bridge divides uh mm-hmm. yeah you turn on the news and you're just hit over the head with division 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 but mm-hmm. When you sit down and talk to people face to face, and you get to know their name and you get to hear their stories, you can find a way to connect. And if yeah. we can, if we can shut off all that noise and instead focus more on personal relationship uh, and and face to face encounters, I think we'd do so much better.
1: I got into a very deep political conversation with a friend of mine. Uh, this guy is 100% Fox News. there is no other form of content. Uh, And we disagree on a lot of things. I have told him I voted for many a Republican candidate, and I will do it again. I don't care about the political party. I care about the person, and that's it. Would, Would the Republicans now hate Barack Obama just as bad if he would have been a Republican? Because he's the same guy wanting the same things. But, you know, I'm saying it just gets so divided and so deep that I have to stop our conversation and say our friendship is more important to me than our political views. Yeah, Uh,
0: We all have to say that. I have a lot of friends that disagree with me (laughs) on a lot of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, and that's that's we're not going to find inner peace until we until we start having conversations and not accusations is what it feels like.
3: Well, and here's here's the thing that I found, and I write about this in the in the new book. So this newest book that you talked about, Moon, Portraits of Peace, Searching for Hope in a Divided America, this really is more my story of this middle-aged white guy who's like wandering around, encountering difference, challenging my own expectations, practicing, uh, practicing listening a little more deeply. Uh, but one of the things I talk about in that book is this notion that we, as a society, we tend to launch right into the most challenging rhetoric right we don't take the time to establish a, a foundation of relationship we don't yep. take the time to to find any common ground we just we step right into the fire and then we get surprised when we get burned when you're having that political disagreement with your friend For me, sometimes that means it's time to back off a little bit and work a little bit more on that foundational relationship, try to remember what we do have in common. And that doesn't mean you whitewash these differences, right? These are important political differences, but it does mean that you don't have to step off the cliff. You know, maybe there can be a little bit of cooling down. Maybe there can be a couple of deep breaths so that we, you know, we're, we're talking in a little more reasoned uh Fashion and I—I I mean, I say this um, knowing full well that I do it myself. You know, right. sometimes I get—I I can feel my breathing speed up. I can feel <laughs> my, my blood pressure going up. We're talking
0: but, about my Thanksgiving, yes. Yeah, okay,
3: right. <laughs> about a lot of people's like, but, <laughs> but you have to recognize when it's happening and and step back from the cliff a little bit instead of just you know driving that train down the path.
1: One of the things that, you know, we have all talked about forever was how in the Middle East that these wars have been going on for thousands of years, okay? And here in the United States, we didn't really have that. I mean, we've had periods of darkness and deep divide. Some of the racial stuff that's been on uh, in the United States over the course of time, you know, that's been really hard. But right now, I feel like we are so divided that maybe... You know, a hundred years after I'm gone, they're gonna be saying, Well, you know, the United States, man, they've been fighting about politics and they can't get along, and, and it's just horrible. And you know, we have these insurrection. Well, you know, where did that word come from? And by the way, as a sidebar on the insurrection, <laughs> Frank Basilero from one of our local yeah. news stations yeah. here was trying to report on uh, January 6th. Of last year. And
0: he said erection? I hope he he did. said
1: Trump's instead of insurrection. He said Trump's erection. Yes. Yeah. God, I, I love, love
0: Frank. Frank.
1: John, you know, when will the new book be out? And I have a suggestion for you after you tell me.
3: The newest book, Portraits of Peace, came out on September 21st. It's at Amazon. It's on Bar- Barnes & Noble, uh, IndieBound, and on our website. The, the website is just a pieceofmymind.net. Um, P-E-A-C-E. You can also just do the acronym, dot net. You know, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. We will start working on a new book, but right now I'm just focused on gathering new content. Someday mm-hmm. there'll be book number four, but I don't know when that'll come out, Moon.
1: You know what I'd like to see happen for you? I think it would just be great to have video documentation. I mean, you do stills, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've done videos over the years of your travels as well. But to have the Travel Channel come in or even the History Channel, somebody that's big league and and take you with them. Yeah, uh, I think that'd be great because you've got great stories to share. Well, John, thank you for being on the show with us. Uh, You can find all of his stuff and you have a podcast, too. Uh, Where can they find that?
3: Yeah, you know, you you go to any of the podcast things and you just type in either my last name, Noltener, or a piece of my mind and it'll pop up.
0: And Noltener is N-O-L. T N E R.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You got it.
1: It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes it's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes why do you always listen i guess we'll never know a fat guy in a wheelchair what the does he know it's time to end the podcast it's time to get some likes Go to your computer, type it in, you're going to win. We are out of lyrics in Boopie, Jug, and Hobbs. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. It. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of
2: it that weren't very good, it though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Let's put this show out of its misery. Ha, ha, ha,